I thought for this last lesson on the spine, we might return to something that had been pretty fascinating a couple of weeks ago about tilting the head to the side and all the subtle variations of that. So um, that's what we're going to look at today. So you can begin lying on your back and stretch out. Feel your contact with the floor. <laughs> it's just cold, that's all. It's just. Yes, this is not one of those Wednesdays when the temperature goes from minus 6 to plus 6. It's between 7 and 8 p.m. So far. Yeah. yeah, I don't think it gets to plus 6 till tomorrow again. It's wild. Yeah, we're getting a bit of howling. Okay. So we're going to play tonight with really just a very simple movement because one of the things that's quite astonishing when you do this work is how the simplest movements have, I don't know, as many different interpretations as there are people. So uh, a simple movement like tilting your left ear towards your left shoulder, your right ear towards your right shoulder that we were doing a few weeks ago. If you watch a room of 30 people do it, those 30 people are all, well, it's almost like those words, left and right, mean something different to those 30 people. So we're going to take one very simple movement and take dozens of different perspectives on it tonight sort of three it see it in full 360 degrees and all of these subtle variations that you'll find in yourself with this movement relate to those very deep set patterns about how you use all of yourself, but in particular, the length of your spine. Let's scan over that one more time for the month. From your tailbone, all around your spine as it lies on the floor or lifts from the floor behind your low back, rests on the floor in your upper back, your chest, lifts from the floor again in your neck, comes to meet the base of your skull somewhere behind your, between your ears, behind your eyes. And with that full image of your whole spine, the whole length of your spine in your mind's eye. Come to, maybe come to the front of your spine and draw a line in your mind's eye on what you would imagine to be the middle of the body of the vertebra in the front. So exactly opposite that spinous process that sticks out in the back, that's the middle of your back the bumps up the middle of your back and the middle of your neck. 
and find that place in the front of your vertebra that's exactly opposite that and draw that line all the way down the front of your spine and get a sense for yourself what direction that line faces is it straight towards the ceiling is it a little twisted turned, tilted for each vertebra starting at the base of your skull continuing behind your mouth behind your neck where you imagine the middle place in each vertebra is in the front the middle relative to the whole body of the vertebra and the spinous process at the back and is it in the middle relative to the room relative to the walls relative to space is it turned a little left to right or up or down so trace like you're drawing a black line all the way the paintbrush along the front of your spine front of the bodies of the vertebrae through your chest the curve into your low back and then finally the inside of your sacrum those are your last few vertebrae that in evolutionary history all fused to make one or five vertebrae there in your sacrum fused to make one bone okay and then come up to sit and sit in some way cross-legged or whatever is comfortable some way symmetrical more or less symmetrical yeah and begin to tilt your right ear towards your right shoulder and you can let your right shoulder be quiet and towards really does mean towards and you don't have to get there or touch no this isn't even going to be one of those lessons where I tell you don't touch at the beginning you are going to touch at the end we're just not even interested in actually touching tilt your right ear towards your right shoulder and even among the three of three of you the four of us all together there's four very different ways of doing this because you're sitting up you can actually sort of look at one another for a moment we don't usually do that in Feldenkrais but you can kind of see maybe you can take turns taking a little break and look at how others are doing it and see very different things going on Oh, well, the interesting thing now, we're going to do variations, but the interesting thing is to feel kind of what you do spontaneously. And really taste each, each, each little degree of the arc. 
and are there some places where your head starts to turn a little or the movement gets less smooth And then take your left ear towards your left shoulder. How far does your forehead travel? How far does your chin travel? And go both sides, so you tilt one ear towards one shoulder, the other ear towards the other shoulder. Now imagine that you've got sort of a window in front of you and your forehead is swiping that window. So this is your reference point in the imagination that your forehead is drawing like sort of windshield wipers is swiping across that window in an arc. As your right ear goes to your right shoulder, your left ear to your left shoulder. And now are you really doing what you think you're doing when you do that? So with each of these variations, that's the important question. So really check that and monitor and correct yourself that way. If there's a surface in front of your forehead, is it the same spot on your forehead that's in touch with that surface the whole way? So one of you has already spontaneously done this, but this is actually the next instruction as well. You can take your hand up and place your hand, make a surface for your forehead with your hand, and brush that surface with your forehead. And then you can really feel the shape that you're drawing with your forehead on that imaginary surface. Now it's a real surface. Is it an arc? Is it equal on each side, the arc? Are there sort of flat parts of the arc? Is it all curved? How does it come to an end? Does it come to an end simply or is there a little flourish at the end of the arc? And is it the same spot on your forehead touching that surface the whole way or this is where you start to be able to sense and monitor for yourself do you actually turn your face or is your face staying to the front 
because if you actually at some point, and this is what we'll all do, we're doing this movement and it goes and it goes, and then we think it should go farther, but it doesn't really. And so we start to turn the face and some other part of the forehead touches that surface. With your hand there, you can switch hands if you like, try it with the other hand. And really feel whether you're keeping your face turned in the same plane towards the wall in front of you. Now you can bring your hand down and imagine that the surface that you're swiping is behind you, so it's the back of your head, the back of your head drawing an arc. And feel how that focus your awareness. It's the same movement, same muscles involved. In a way, it's the same idea, but now... Your reference point for yourself is somewhere else, the back of your head. You're imagining what's behind you and you're finding that shape of the arc that you're tracing, the back of your head. And then you can put your hand behind the back of your head again, make a reference point for yourself. Draw this arc with a spot at the back of your head on your hand. It's pretty bit challenging to do this without the fact that you're holding your hand there, sort of disturbing the movement because your shoulders are doing different things. So you Give yourself time to find that possibility that you can just make this surface for yourself at the back of your head and take your head from side to side. So you can try different props. Have a book or a flat cushion lying around. Try that. Just look for those places where suddenly you're taking that spot at the back of your head in an arc and then at some point there'll be a tug like your head wants to turn a little left, a little right. You're chin won't go, your ear won't go, something won't go. Smooth that out.
And then bring your hands down and come back to your chin. So I've mentioned it a couple of times, but as you tilt your left ear towards your left shoulder, your right ear towards your right shoulder, what is your chin doing? Is your chin sort of like a pivot place and your head just pivots on it? Or are you drawing one larger arc with your forehead and another smaller arc, but one that's sort of on the same circle with it, with your chin? on a chair if the floor is not comfortable. Or you can sit like that too, whatever you like. So what's the arc, if any, that your chin is drawing? And again, you can use your hand in front of your chin. Give yourself that inspiration to feel what's the arc that your chin is drawing. And if it's staying still, well, you can try that a few times. Maybe your chin stays still and everything tilts around it. But also try this variation where literally on the surface in front of you, also your chin's drawing an arc. It'll be a smaller arc than your forehead draws, but your chin also draws an arc doesn't just pivot or swivel. Hmm? <laughs> you get some extra sensory feedback if you have a five o'clock shadow. Well, there's actually, there's another arc you could do. I didn't realize this. Here's another interpretation of the thousands of interpretations. You could be doing an arc in the opposite direction of your forehead, right? So that the center of the circle somewhere in the middle but make it so the center of the circle is somewhere down here and your forehead and your chin are both drawing arcs. Uh-huh. Right. And your nose will be drawing an arc too that's kind of middle in size between the two. Right. Right. That's one way of doing it, but now imagine the point of no motion somewhere down here and the whole arc is somewhere further down. All of a sudden, different things happen at the base of your neck, right? And some very particular muscles and spots in your spine and so on, right? You're using different muscles to do that. And for some people, there's really a strong habit of using those muscles. So, I mean, that would go to how the instruction was interpreted. That was the natural way. Was to, But if you just contract those muscles, you're always going around here. And you're never going to 
get into some lengthening here. Yeah. And then your nose, so sense all those things. So the arc that your chin draws, then the arc that your nose draws. Shift your awareness to your nose. And you can use your hand again for reference in front. The nose gives a pretty precise reference. It's got this very definite end to it. Probably definitely feel if you start turning your head. Exactly. We could be doing this with uh, pieces of coal, charcoal, tied to different parts of ourselves, paper in front, and then you'd see some interesting effects if you did that. noticed in working on this that there is a kind of a little signal for me at the end of every movement if I was going to the limit so every saying Feldenkrais don't go to the limit and I've been saying that to myself for 15 years or something <laughs> still go to the limit probably sometimes and if you do if you're doing this movement and then you go to the limit there's even sometimes there'll be a little you'll really feel on your nose on your reference point you'll feel a sort of little shortening or the turn or something that you're doing this nice nice arc then you go to the limit and it's like uh, something crunches and it's no longer the nice arc. The nice arc goes and it shortens and pulls down and pulls in. Okay, why don't you leave that and line your back, take a rest. And the transcript of Feldenkrais teaching this, he takes maybe one break somewhere 10 minutes from now. And then <laughs> how to get to the end. And at some point you can tell some student in the class said, uh, don't we get a break? And he's like, you guys don't need a break doing this. <laughs> this is very un-Feldenkrais-like. You don't need a break doing this. And then come up to sit again.
Doug's been using them as. I don't know if it'll work for the next one. We'll see. Okay. Yeah. So I'll begin again, tilt each ear towards each shoulder. draws an arc, your chin draws an arc. And then take a hand, either hand, and touch the top of your head, the very crown of your head. And as you go from side to side, you feel the crown of your head, your hair, brush your hand. Interlace both hands so you have both hands. Feel the top of your head brush. Here it's actually an advantage to have a curve instead of a flat surface. Your whole head is tilting. And your chin, is your chin still drawing an arc? Or is your chin arcing away in the opposite direction? Really play particularly with this variation where your chin also draws an arc. Not in the opposite direction of your forehead, but in the same direction. And maybe if you do it that way, maybe you don't go very far. Maybe it's a very unusual and unfamiliar movement to you so it becomes much smaller actually maybe pivoting your whole head around some axis in the middle of your behind your nose is very very normal for you maybe this is very unusual to tilt your whole head left and right so your chin is drawing an arc in the same direction but we play with that if it is very unusual for you then it will be a big revelation the effects And bring your hands down, but continue to think of the top of your head and feel the top of your head. But also think of the top of your spine and the base of your skull, that place in the back of your head. Think of that spot in the back of your head where your skull curves in. And the very top of your spine is. Think of that place drawing an arc, the arc that that place makes. So it's a little recessed from the wall. You actually have to imagine. Uh, maybe imagine you've got a piece of charcoal there that's uh, a couple inches long. So you draw on whatever's behind you. Draw an arc. That place at the base of your skull.
And now these surfaces, we had a surface in front of us and a surface behind us, now have both of those surfaces together. So imagine it's sort of like your sandwich between two, two planes, two surfaces, and the back of your head and your nose are both going to draw an arc on the surface behind you, on the surface in front of you, and really play with your imagination there. Can you really imagine these two parallel surfaces? Really get a sense of them spatially, a sense of those two planes. And then of your forehead or your nose drawing the arc on the plane in front of you and the back of your head drawing this arc, the plane behind you. Your nose draws an arc, your chin And then see with your hands or whatever um, tools you have at hand, you can make for yourself those two planes, one in front and one behind. Play with this will be a bit funny to make that without interfering with your neck and shoulders, but try it and relax your shoulders, relax your arms, but make yourself this very definite reference point. And just pay attention to Really the simultaneousness of that movement as you do it, is the back of your head traveling at the same time as the front of your head? Is there a moment where uh, the front of your head gets stuck and the back keeps going? Or the back gets stuck and the front keeps going? So you just really play with making that. Those two arcs are being drawn the same degree at the same time. Because the point at which they start to go different, that's the point at which you have some very strong habit or blind spot somewhere in your neck, which is very fundamental to how you govern action and movement of your whole body. So it could be the most interesting thing in the world, even if it's only an inch in the movement, into the movement to stop there and come back and come back at it again. and see what you have to do differently or adjust or let go of so that the arc you're drawing in the front happens at exactly the same time as the arc you're drawing at the back. And you can, well, rest your arms anytime you want to. Don't so fascinated with it. I'll have you hold your arms up in the air for half an hour. And you can switch your arms too. Try it without your hands. Go back to doing it with no external reference and come back to having an external reference just at your own pace.
And then leap out and have a rest. <laughs> right. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you, then you feel really strongly that tendency to turn. And it does have to do with how your shoulders are organized there. So once we've got our arms up like that, it's you feel the effect that a certain kind of use here, that, okay, this is and that's, and then all of a sudden you can't take your head evenly, left and right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exaggerates the kind of pattern that was there. Yeah. And then come up to sit again when you're ready. And again, start tilting your left ear to your left shoulder, right ear to your right shoulder. Well, the arc with your forehead, your chin, your nose. And now as you do it, really pay attention to the left side of your jaw and the right side of your jaw, each side of your jaw. The actual joint of your jaw, which is really right in front of your ear. Feel those joints and how they tilt. Does one joint go up and one joint go down? Say that again. Oh, you mean like it's as though space opens up in the joint, but it's getting pulled down. Yeah. Right. In space, though, that the whole joint itself is moving opposite to what you were describing. But within the joint, you feel like it's being pulled out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So how you can bend your neck like this completely has to do with what you're doing in your jaw. And then just pay attention to kind of that angle of your jaw that's below your ear on the one side and the other. You can even touch those two spots with your hands and follow them. 
what shape are they drawing in space? Somehow could record that. And your throat. So while you're doing this, if you had to swallow at any point. Could you find that swallowing even if everything's sort of curved? in one direction or the other. Can you swallow both with your left ear tilted to your left shoulder and your right ear tilted to your That was a spontaneous of the moment thing and I'm completely fascinated that I can't swallow when my right ear is tilted to my right shoulder. It's like the muscles in my neck don't know what to do. Yeah, it's easier on the left side. It's not crazy. Now think about your right ear. It's like your whole right ear is also sliding on its plane, making a shape. And your left ear. Give yourself this kind of very abstract sense of each ear, like it's a little flat square on either side of your head, facing the two flat squares facing one another. And how to pay attention to both at the same time, those two flat squares facing one another. This one, when I do one, I realize I have a complete, I'm completely out of touch with the shape of my skull because I feel like what I sense can't be happening because my skull does not morph that way, right? Isn't that what you feel like? It feels to me like my ears go like this or something. And yeah, like they are, they are actually, I'm sure you pretty well all of us, they're going to be like, but how does it not feel that way? How does it feel like your skull's going like this and this and... Yeah, but I mean, by 
millimeter or something, right? So, but, but the proprioceptive feedback from the tendon pole is strong and it distorts your whole sense of the shape of your skull, of the sort of possible physical possibilities and then it's into your ears and... Yeah, when you yeah. Yeah, 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 so that's a very intense place, it's very, uh, yeah. Yeah. Your yeah, and you can do things with tendon reflexes, you can create those kind of kinesthetic uh, illusions in yourself that, and this is a, this is strong. And let's complete that, you've got these two planes of your ears. And now imagine like the plane of the top of your head. So it's like you've got a box, three sides of a box, the plane of the top of your head and the plane of your two ears. And can you feel that whole thing? (laughs) Oh, your ears are like that. They're not like this. They're like... Yeah, it's like a parallelogram. This is not like a square tilting from side to side. It's like a... Well, I really, it's a question I have for myself all throughout this work is sometimes whether those, these kinds of kinesthetic illusions, whether they're all evidence of misorganization or whether actually they're sort of inevitable. Because one thing you notice if you do this work, it can actually get stronger over time that you'll feel more, you know, your movement's getting more refined, your control's more refined, your self-awareness is more complete, but then you're more likely to feel like this one leg is two feet longer than the other leg, right, at the end of the lesson. So it's almost like the kinesthetic illusions are a measure of the sensitivity, not of the distortion, yeah. right, of the system. That's what I like to say right now, just so you don't feel incriminated by the fact that you can't, like, imagine this box tilting from side to side. Yeah, I can't, I can't organize this in my head. Yeah, no, I think, I, well, I, I've thought about this quite a bit because I, I also wonder quite a bit about what is the whole purpose of this? Why do we have this whole sensory system that's capable of feeling like one leg's two feet longer than the other when it's not? Like, why, it's just a byproduct or why would we? And this isn't something you can go look up in the scientific literature like if someone thought about this because I don't know if anybody thinks about this if they're not a Feldenkrais practitioner. I mean, I do think, the one thing I think about it is that like our, our sensation of the external world is very much set up for the external world to be different every time we see it. Our sensation of our body is not really set up for our body to be very much different from day to day. Yeah. And you get phantom limb syndrome, like however the feedback loop of perception within the body is such that it's really not prepared for radical changes. In the way that I walk down the street, a building's there, a building's gone, doesn't bother me, I can make sense of that in my sensory world. But if I lose a limb, I can't make sense of that in my sensory world. So the phantom limb pain is very, very common, actually. It's not an exotic thing. It's quite common when someone loses a limb. So, and I think all these kinds of changes that we make in Feldenkrais, you know, maybe it's kind of just normal the way that sensory system works that we exaggerate them, that our own inner sensation really exaggerates them. Because we're just not set up for things to be... It's all sort of set up for us to have habits that last a very long time and don't change very much. And so if you do a system that will radically shift a deep habit, then you'll feel a really distorted perception of yourself. But I haven't... I go looking sometimes. I haven't come across anybody in the scientific literature who's actually interested in that question. <laughs> proprioception on that level or 
because I think people would find that you can't quantify it. What if you say to people, does your left or right leg feel longer? And then you yeah. try to correlate it with what? And I don't know. It's probably just not enough scientists of that sort do Feldenkrais, so they never ask themselves that question. No, the truth. Amongst dancers and martial art artists, yeah. and some would, yeah. I, mean, like, but I don't think that in the reason, like, I feel like it comes up in the field, like, I get more sensitive to my problems. But then some people just exactly the opposite. Like the more sensitivity they have, the less they are aware of their scoliosis or the one leg like, short or oh. their knee injury. Like they use, okay, I'm, I'm sorry for some, I'm, I'm, thank God I made a good lesson. Yes, right. Well, it does keep you from, that's one of the purposes of it. One of the things I like about it is that it keeps you from, it keeps you out of a rut. It keeps you out of a rut. Okay, let's, let's leave the box image for a while. <laughs> the box image is crazy. Okay, uh, so continue your, each ear towards each shoulder and pay attention to the temple, your right temple, the temple on the right side of your head. And that tilting from side to side. Yes. Yes, we're into the religious part of the lesson now. And go over to your other temple, your left temple. Back to your forehead. I haven't been at the forehead in a while. And then your eyes. Not where they're looking, but the eyeballs themselves, the eye sockets themselves. How are they moving? One eye move down and the other eye move up. You can use your hands to provide you with some other feedback about that because that's another one that can be very confusing. See what this is like in standing. So come up to standing.
And as you stand, you just hang your arms. And take one ear to one shoulder, the other ear to the other shoulder. And what's your nose doing now? What arc does it draw? doing in relation to your chin. Relation to your forehead. And bring your right hand on top of your head. You brush your hand with the top of your head again. And your left hand. both hands interlaced Just hang your arms again and continue with tilting your head. And let your attention wander, feel your chin, feel your ears. Pay attention to the base of your skull at the back. Your nose. temples your eyes back of your head continuing so that you can change your awareness shift it around anywhere you want and the movement continues the next level of refinement we use all the shifts in the awareness to make the different movements but now can you shift your awareness without actually disturbing the movement that you're doing jaw your throat your eyes back of your head your mouth. Want to make a lesson for yourself? You can go home and do this with each of your teeth. 
I'll keep you busy for a while. <laughs> It'd probably be really wild. <laughs> Is there any little tendency in your hands and your arms? Does the one arm hang slightly longer as you tilt your head in that direction? The other. the whole length of your spine. And now do it so that all of that stays still and now you'll actually come back to this thing where your chin goes in the opposite direction of your forehead. Okay, and leave that. And take it all for a walk. See how your head's balancing on top of yourself now.